Welcome to Jesus Without Religion. I'm Mike Sinar, your host, and I'm glad you're joining us today as we discover Jesus through the filter of grace. If you are a Christian, you are about to see the love of Christ like you've never seen before. Never again will you fear God or feel that you are inadequate or not deeply loved by Him. We know some people call that a license to sin, but as we go through this series, you're actually going to find out that soaking in God's kindness and total forgiveness of all sin, yes, all sin, is the only prescription that will actually lead you away from the disease of sin. And welcome back to Jesus Without Religion, everybody. We've got a really good show for you today. If you've been following us in this season, we've been going through the letter written to the Hebrews. And we've getting we've got a little deeper into it now, and we're getting ready to just plunge right into chapter five. I think now that we're we're getting into the uh, into the letter, a lot of what we've been talking about over the first four chapters, it's gonna really start coming together. The puzzle's gonna start to we're gonna start seeing what the puzzle actually is. It's not really a puzzle if you I'm just making an analogy. But before we do that, I want to let's just recap again what we learned in chapter four. I want you to remember that Hebrews chapter four, verses two through three, what did it say? It said, he said, but the word they heard, they being the Jews, but the word they heard, it did not profit them because it was, why? Because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed have entered that rest. So we see there was a word that these Jewish people heard, and that was the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ, but it did not profit them. Why? Because it wasn't united with faith. I mean, they heard that word, but there was no faith. They didn't believe it, those guys that heard it. And then we find that there are some people that entered rest. Who was it? Not people that worked hard, not people that were obedient to all the rules. No, it's for we who have believed have entered that rest. And then uh, we jumped over to Hebrews 4, it was verse 6, he said, Therefore, since, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, that's right, they heard it, right? They formerly had good news preached to them. They failed to enter because of disobedience. We'd love to take that word and just build a sermon out of it, but let's finish it. He again fixes a certain day today. To say today, saying this through David, after so long a time, as just has been said before. Now again, what is the disobedience? Here it is. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So again, the disobedience isn't uh, an outward problem. It's an inward disobedience. They've heard this truth and it's not profiting them because it is not united by faith. Now, as we start diving into chapter five, we're going to be looking at some food uh, analogies as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we're going to see there's there's a milk gospel, right? And there so there's a milk gospel and there's a, a meat. So one is solid and it is it's deeper and it's more meaningful. 
Now, I want you to remember the comparisons <clears throat> in earlier chapters. Remember, we, st- we read about Jesus in comparison to angels. We read about Jesus in comparison to uh, Moses. But next, we're going to see Jesus is going to be compared to some Old Testament priest. Um, backing up a little more, too, I want to re- recap on Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Remember this, he says, Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, uh, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, they failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes uh, a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So, again, I want to be clear. What is the, it's, I just, I don't want to move forward unless we've really got this through our, through our heads. Um, the disobedience clearly is unbelief. And what did he ask them not to do? Well, what he asked them not to do was do not harden your hearts. That's the problem here. And is there even one mention? I mean, here we are, we've gone through four chapters. Have we seen one mention of these Hebrews needing to do more works, outward works? Have we seen a mention of these Hebrews needing to do less sin? I'm not saying that the writer would encourage sin or encourage them not to works. What I'm saying is the writer is not addressing these things because that's not what the problem is here. The problem is not those things. The problem is an inward heart problem. So let's just get in here. Then Now we get into chapter 5, and it starts off like this in verse 1. He says this. He says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men and things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, Again, check this out. Who appointed these old priests? So we don't lose uh, we don't lose the context. Man appointed those priests. That's what we just read. We talked about, remember how every priest, they stand daily. Uh, that comes up in Hebrews 10. All of these human priests, they stand daily. They can't sit down. It's unlawful for them to take a seat. Uh, they're continually, what are they doing? Just offering the same lifeless sacrifices again and again and again. Why? Well, because it never worked. So you continue to offer sacrifices, but we see something different. Now let's continue on. Hebrews chapter five, verse two, he says this, he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weakness. He refers to the human priest, right? He can deal gently, um, he can deal gently because He's weak like us. Who else was born in the flesh and deals gently with us? Right? Read back Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Just go back there and you get your answer. <clears throat> so let's continue. Hebrews chapter, <clears throat> sorry folks, I wasn't expecting to clear my throat. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. He says, And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins. As for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself, 
but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So sacrifices for himself because he's a human, right? A human priest who does what? A human priest who sins. So what are some of the differences in the old priest and the new priest being Jesus, right? We got human priest and we've got Jesus. Well, we know one big difference is those human priests, well, newsflash, they all died. Every one of them ended up in a box and all their sins were only covered, right? It's nothing more, these Old Testament priests, they're nothing more than a picture of the real thing that's coming there, a shadow of Jesus Christ. Verse five says, so also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. If you read uh, John chapter 17, 22, it says this, the glory which you've given me, I love this. He says this, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Great stuff. Listen, the bottom line here is Jesus is the only priest that God called a son, right? There's more. There's a strange lineage we're getting ready to discover. And it's strange because of the heritage of this priest. Now follow this. Verse six then says this, just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Why Melchizedek, right? The Bible has very little to talk about Melchizedek. I mean, he kind of shows up on the scene. We get a quick little story and he's gone. We never hear about this man again. He literally shows up for just a few Old Testament verses. You can read those in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 24. But let's jump ahead one more time. You know, I like to jump ahead real quick so we get some context. We're going to flip over, flip your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. It's very important that we see what the deal is with Melchizedek because it'll, all, it'll help us unpack this a little more clearly. So it says this, verse 1 in chapter 7, he says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of most high God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham appointed a tenth part of all the spoils was first of all, by the translation of his name, King of Righteousness, and then also King of Salem, which is King of Peace. He was without father. He was without mother. He was without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. What's the point here? This is an illegal priesthood according to the law, where you must be, the law requires that you must be from the tribe of Levi, a Levitical priest. Remember, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. So what does this mean? And again, we get our answer out of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, which tells us this. He said, for when the priesthood is changed of necessity, There takes place a change of law also. 
So the point is when Jesus became the priest, there also had to be a change of law. Again, what does the scripture tell us? Christ is the end of the law for all who believe. All right, getting back into our study in chapter 5, let's move into verses 7 and 8. He says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son... He, get this, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Interesting. Jesus learned obedience. I mean, really? He, he's the son of God. Look, we ask this same question as believers. If I am a new creation in Christ, then how is it I'm still growing? And why is it, as humans in the flesh, why is it we still sin? And the answer, I think, is quite frankly, you're learning. You're learning and you're renewing your mind. You're beginning to recognize your identity. And it's, it's a long lifetime process for us in the flesh. Until we get our new bodies, we'll continue to learn and grow. <clears throat> I'm not suggesting, of course, in any way that Jesus said. But we're going to talk soon about the word righteousness. And I want you to pay close attention to it. We're going to move from milk to the word of righteousness. So that should be good. Verse 9, he says this, And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him. Now here's that word obey. We start making doctrines out of it. If we're not careful, we miss the context. But he made, having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. So if you're a believer and you've struggled with I don't know, 2,000 sins, does that mean you don't obey him? Read Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Read that, and I think you'll see the context there. I'm not going to try to, I I can go down rabbit holes, uh, and we can pull out all these various verses. Read it. Remember how disobedience was defined in this letter. The author clearly is telling us this disobedience is unbelief. The only sin that has been discussed so far in five chapters, and again, I'm telling you, we're going to read 10 chapters, and you will not even see a hint. You won't even smell uh, of the external sin, outward sin, for a mile away because it's not going to be found in these chapters. Hebrews 5, uh, chapter 10, then verse 11 says, "...being designated by God as a high priest..." according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. In other words, you Jews, you heard it, and you're not getting it. How many times and how many ways can can we put this to you? Hebrews uh, 5 verse 12, then he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You again need for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. The elementary principles of Christ crucified. Paul pretended to know nothing. You remember he said that? I pretended to know nothing but Christ crucified. He wanted to share the gospel. He wasn't trying to uh, show off and pound his chest with fancy doctrine and impress you with all the scriptures that he knew. 
the elementary principles. Nothing is more important than Christ crucified until we've accepted that and realized that we are saved through faith and trusting in the, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing else saves us. No external stuff has, any, has anything to do with our salvation. Milk and food are symbolic for scripture theology, not laws and sins. I want to repeat that. Milk and food are not symbolic for laws and sins. Milk and food are symbolic for scripture and theology. Some people are out there preaching the message, uh, completely jacked up theologies. And what the writer would be telling that person is, listen, if you're not keeping your focus on Christ crucified and faith alone by grace, lest anyone boast, you need you get off the food because you're not ready for food. You need to get back on that milk before you start preaching that message. Verse 13, he says this, For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have, have, I'm sorry, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The good and evil is not about do's and don'ts and law abiding. In context, he's talking about your senses recognizing sound doctrine, recognizing truth, recognizing the gospel. Let's look ahead. Uh, again, I love doing this because it helps us keep it, some things in context. So let's just peek a little bit at Hebrews uh, chapter 6. Uh, hang on one second. Here it is. Uh, verse 1, we're going to read this in our next lesson. He says this, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance of dead works, and of faith toward God. You know, the author has been addressing the sin of unbelief. And the readers are Jewish people who are all jacked up. I'm sorry, the recipients of this letter, they're Jews who are all jacked up on works, dead works, with a little dab of Jesus maybe that they've heard about, that they've tasted. But look at some of the, let's look at some of the, the dead works that the author addresses in verse 2. So we know what he means by dead works. Here it is. Verse 2, chapter 6, he said, of instruction about washings and of laying on hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So washing, what is he talking about? Getting cleansed at the temple. What is he talking about? Laying on hands. Talking about probably uh, the uh, on scapegoats to transfer their sins. And the resurrection, right? In Acts, the Pharisees argued about the resurrection, we read, right? They argued about it being true. If he wasn't, you won't be either. And that's the whole point. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, none of us will be. So what do we walk away with here? In context, what we learned, um, Jesus makes perfect those that obey him, right? But what was the obedience? Well, the obedience is believing the religious people, well, they have heard the gospel, but they do not believe. And they teach law-based forgiveness for sins like washings, like laying of hands, and they're arguing about the resurrection and it's it, whether or not it's true. They are not ready for solid food. That's what we're learning in chapter 5. They're not ready for deeper scripture, but instead 
these people here, they need to be fed milk like a baby because um, they're not getting it, right? They still have so much to learn about the gospel uh, and they need to be taught the elementary principles of scripture. Solid food, deeper doctrine is for the mature people who get the gospel of Jesus's death on the cross and they recognize the false teaching from some of these other people on solid food that are jacking it all up, right? So Hebrews chapter three, I think it was verse 18 and 19. Uh, and he said this, he said, and, who, and to whom did he swear that would not enter his rest? Remember who it was? He said, but to those who were disobedient. And then it concluded with this. He says, so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Folks, that concludes chapter five. I hope your takeaway from today is that this, there's a lot of theologies out there. We got people out there talking about all kinds of human effort, washings. It may sound different. They may not be saying washings or laying on of hands, but at the end of the day, if we're talking about anything for salvation other than Jesus Christ, we're, we're, not give, we're not putting our faith in the resurrection. We need to believe. We need to be careful not to commit the one sin that was leading these Jews to eternal, to eternal punishment. And we don't want that to happen to us. And here's how we avoid that. Believe. Trust in the goodness of Jesus Christ. Believe that he died on a cross from you and that absolutely nothing absolutely nothing can save you but believing God that Jesus is your rescuer. Everything else, all the outward performance, works in avoiding sin, those are side effects of God living in and through us. God bless you all.